course, Willie calls me now. Uh, thanks. Uh. Come on, Willie. We only have 30 minutes with him, Chris, so. You recording already? Yeah. It's been a minute. Oh, shit. <laughs> Ever since Yo. Hollywood, you know. No, no, we, we 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 always keep it with the essence, man. But <laughs> trying to cue that up in the studio, though, good luck. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Breeze Shooters Podcast. Uh, this is a remote recording today because we have a big guest, Chris. When I say big, big we got big. Big time. Big time. We have... The one and only DJ EFN joining us from uh, the Drink Champs podcast. He's gonna we're gonna chop it up with him. He's gonna talk talk about how he got started and all that good stuff. And with that being said, DJ EFN is coming in right now as we speak. See him there. All right. He's coming in as he's coming in right now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, so this is the Breeze Shooters Podcast. I'm your host, Lou, joined by my very good friend, Christian. Yo, we spoke I, I, about this. Oh, you know, all right. I'm sorry. CS Smooth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, shit. What's going on, brother? How's everything, man? What's good, I'm, I'm here. Hey, DJ. Hey. What's up, bro? Welcome, welcome, sir. Welcome. Hey, first, I got to start by saying. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Let me, take, let me take care of that part. Okay, go ahead. I want to apologize. <laughs> EFN, I want to apologize, brother, <laughs> because my idiot partner fucked up your last interview, and I and I heard that it was a good one. That's <laughs> all good, guys. <laughs> it, ha- it happens. So, it happens. So, so I appreciate you coming back. Now you can you can continue, yeah. Lou, with your you know. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, just know that uh, DJ EFN is a true gentleman, man. Uh, I asked him; he he'd even bat eye. He goes, "No problem, man. I understand." So I really appreciate that, DJ EFN, because I know your schedule is insane, man. You guys have been really working, really working cool. overtime lately, man. We're we're all busy in life, guys. Come on, if you got families, <laughs> you got a life, you got jobs. Everybody's busy, so you yeah. know. I got two little ones, and that's that's keeping me the most. Busy. Oh my god! Oh man, I feel yeah. for you. God bless. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so DJ EFN, let's start in the beginning, man. How do you get started? in the DJ industry promotions and, you know, having the, the shop, the merch shop, how did it all start for you? Man, that's, that's a, that's a lot to, to take on there <laughs> as a question. Um, I'll try to condense it, but, you know, basically 
uh, just being a fan of the culture and the music and living the culture before I even knew I was living the culture, you know, just being a kid, you know, break dancing and doing graffiti and, 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 and you know, jacking tapes at the local record shop and, and all that, you know, and, and holding the boom box and all that. I was just a fan of the music, man, of the culture. And then uh, I always gravitated towards the DJ when I would see the DJ. I was like, man, that that's a powerful position. Um, you know, and when I would go to, to the local skating rink and, and, and the DJ was playing music, you know, that was, that was the first time I actually saw a DJ doing his thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this motherfucker's controlling the whole, the whole energy in this room, you know? And, and I was like, yeah, I want to do that. So, so later on, you know, fast forward, I'm, I'm graduating high school with my crew, 93. I'm, I'm getting out of high school. I'm trying to figure out what to do in life. Uh, me and my boys, the whole crew were just hip hop heads, you know, that we were just supportive of the local culture. And, and one of the things that we, that was going on around us is that, that we noticed is that the local scene just, did, it wasn't a lot of pride in being a Miami hip hop head. So that was, that was like our mission statement as a crew, crazy hood. Like let's, let's build something, at least be a part of helping build the local pride in terms of the hip hop scene and, and trying to help put Miami on the hip hop map. It had been on the map with two live crew and stuff like that, but, but the, the style of hip hop that we were listening like lyrics and, 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 you know, a certain type of production. So, so that's what, you know, that's, that's what it was. And, and then I just, you know, I wanted to be a DJ. I just never had the funds to get tables. And I got the, the DJ starter kit in the back of the source magazine. Those were my first turntables. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Belt drive Gemini's and which were, are terrible turntables, but you couldn't tell me shit at the time, you know? <laughs> and, and I had one little crate that was half full with records. And I, and I told myself, one day I'm going to fill this crate with records. Wow. Nice. You know, and fast forward, I'm getting free records from all the labels and I got 30,000 records and, and it was, you know, it was on. So, so, so that's, that's basically, you know, the basics of how I got started as a DJ and, 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 and started my trajectory in, in a career in the music industry. And then, you know, fast everything like i said was all about putting on for the scene and trying to help the local scene and that's where the store came in crazy goods so 93 is when i when i started the company and 94 is when i started putting out mixtapes 97 we opened up the store crazy goods which is a little local hip-hop shop that sold hip-hop gear and mixtapes and 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 graffiti paraphernalia and and we had a record pool and and all of that and that was because that was not easily accessible locally here in miami there was maybe two or three other shops like us in the city. And, and that was just something that I went, I, and I would have people come in and do in stores, you know, when they would come into town to do shows. Cause back then pre-internet promotion days, the artists had to go to record shops or, or wherever the culture was to, to, to let people know they were in town to do some. And, yeah. and that's how the store happened. Crazy goods. Uh, uh, EFN, let me ask you, do you have, um, do you have exposure to uh, business? Is anybody in your family have a strong business background? Because it seems like everything you're laying out for us would re- require some business acumen. Um, and you did it from the jump. Yeah, I know. Like, and you you, you were a young kid straight out of high school. Exactly. So that's kind of is real. You know, kudos to you. That's uh, I, I commend that. That's awesome. Uh, I didn't. I mean, okay. So I didn't grow up with my pops. Um, he wasn't around as much. But I'm not going to say that he was completely absent. Okay. It just, it wasn't, you know, my parents broke up when I was mad young. I was born in LA and they divorced when I, or they got separate when I was like four or five years old. And my dad moved to Miami 
in the heyday of the 80s, Cuban, Vietnam Marine mm-hmm. veteran, you know, uh, mm-hmm. cocaine cowboy days. He came out yeah. here to live the dream, you know. And so we tried to move out here. They tried to work it out and we moved back and forth. It didn't, you know, my dad had PTSD, alcoholism, a lot of things going on with him because of the war. And so it didn't work out. But my dad, he he was a, a habitual entrepreneur. Like, like he he ended up like he he got some really good positions at some companies because of his, you know, he went to school, I think the GI Bill or whatever, whatever he got when he got out, you know, through the through the Marines. And he put he applied that and he got he worked his way into positions where he was like vice president of some companies and wow. he got some paper and 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 then he ended up leaving a company. He had some drama, uh, something that was actually some discrimination. He was going to become president. And it was something about him being Latino and they didn't want like he caught them on tape saying some crazy shit. So anyways, long story short is that he would put that money into businesses that he had accumulated and he opened up like all these different bits. And I would see him, but my dad would like he was wild like. He'll be like a millionaire and then go broke. Like, like, you know, he'll try new businesses. They'll work. He'll, he'll be popping. And then he'll like spread it like it is and it won't work. And it was like, it was like up and down all the time. But what was ill is that I saw him building things from nothing. Like these comp, like these businesses and he would build them up and then it would fall apart for whatever reason. But you, you would think it would just end there. Nah, he would look for something else and then build some other shit up. And I'm like, yo, so from a distance, even though he wasn't in the house, I was, you know, I, you know, he was my father. So I kind of admired that. And even though we didn't have a good relationship, he was still my father. And, and I admired him, you know, I loved him and, and, you know, and, and you couldn't tell me shit. Like I watched every Vietnam war movie because that was my connection to him. You know, I was a GI Joe kid. So, so, uh, so yeah, that was, that was in a, in a, that was my distant mentor in a sense of, that it could be done, you know what I'm saying? That it could be done. My dad came from Cuba with nothing, you know what I'm saying? And then went to war and fucking came back and, and, you know, he did all these things. So, so yeah, that was my mentor from a distance. Yeah, no, I was just, I was just intrigued because a lot of times you see uh, brown and black kids that they really don't have that person in their life to kind of, to tell them or to show them, Hey, it's possible. So that's awesome that your dad from afar was still influential in your life. Really cool. Um, So we fast forward, you, you have the store, right? Is this where you meet Nori when Nori's passing through town? And you, if so, how was that interaction and how did it go down? Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of, of Live on Sundays, the, the big party in yeah. Miami, the big hip hop club that's like it's, it's kind of world renowned. Uh, the guys that do that, they've been party promoters uh, in the scene forever. And so one of the guys from that crew, uh, Phil, the mayor, he was he would do, you know, events and parties. And he brought he brought Nori down or he was a part of, of the of Nori being doing the, the like the promo for the album. He was on the promo run for the CNN album, the Capone Noriega album. But Pone was locked up. So Nori was doing it by himself. And me and my boy, Phil, the guy, you know, the, the party promoter, he already knew we had the store. He would bring folks by the store to do in stores to promote whatever artist was going to be wherever, you know? And so he ended up bringing Nori and this is, but this is early, this is still CNN days. And, you know, but, but we are, Nori was already buzzing and especially, you know, being Latino, just hearing anybody spit anything or knowing someone's Latino, you know, it just, you know, it enhanced that. So I already knew he was Boricua. He was, he was trying to throw Spanish in his, in his <laughs> lyrics, you know what I'm saying? 
Um, and and you know that was that was just that was dope, and that was all we needed. So when he came through, we were already fans of the music. I already been putting Capone Noriega on my mixtapes, and I had a, you know I was already doing my mixtapes, so I had him do some freestyles. He came through, we kicked it, and we just got along. His crew got along with my crew. And for whatever reason, we just kept in, 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 in contact from that point on. And we were like his Miami crew. Nice. And, um, and, I, and I think it was actually something really smart that he did. You know, I don't think it was something that was exclusive to, to us. I think that he was building his network around the country with people like us. And which I think was smart of him. You know, my, the thing with me is I kept that, you know, I was making sure that that, that connection stayed solid. And we did a lot uh, to the point where, you know, where we're at now. At, at what point did you guys decide, hey, we there's this chemistry here. We could take this maybe to a podcast or or a radio platform. I mean, we never had a formal discussion about it. it what it was is that Nori moved to Miami after he did his reggaeton album. Um, he felt that like the English speaking hip hop scene turned their backs on him after that album, you know? Yeah not to put words in his mouth, but he had, he, you know, he just, he kind of fell back for a second and he took a break and he moved to Miami. Uh, he moved around my studio and he basically told me and, and, you know, and I'm paraphrasing like, yo, E bring me back to hip hop. Oh, wow. And so, cause he knew I was like a diehard. I, I, I didn't even, I didn't fuck with reggaeton. I didn't, when he told me he was doing, I thought it was a joke. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't see it I, at the time, you know, we were, and I tell this to, to people in the reggaeton scene now, you know, no disrespect to them, but we were fighting so hard for respect for, for what we were doing in the English market. And, you know, we, and we were just about these lyrics and about this respect. And, and then when I heard reggaeton, I felt like it was a step backwards for, for, you know, like the Latino MCs and, and for what we were trying to do, but I see what it has evolved to. And I have a lot of respect for it now. But um, so, you know, when he came back, he's like, yeah, take me, bring me back to hip hop. So we got to studio and i don't know if y'all remember this freestyle he did it's like a record basically the first thing i had him do was i looped d nice's record my name is d nice uh -huh. and he did a joint my name is no and and that was one of the first things we did in the studio uh when he was out here and flex played it and went crazy and and you know and then we started just doing a bunch of records after that and shortly after we started doing a xm show xm radio show shout out to leo g 66 raw on XM and this is before Sirius XM merged together. And we were doing that out of my studio. We did it after the merger. We did it for like three years. It was basically drink champs without calling it drink champs and basically without okay. guests because not a lot of guests were coming to South Miami where we were at. <clears throat> so we did that. And then he did a new CNN album. He went off to, to Europe to tour. I had this group made it that I was managing that got signed to tech nine. And Strange Music, that, that plaque right there is from them with, with Kendrick and Tech 9 And I got busy, he got busy, and we stopped doing that show. We didn't make a penny off of that, that Sirius uh -huh. XM show. We did it for fun. And then my, my homie Godfrey, who was a, a big podcaster, uh, he was always advocating for podcasting. He was putting that bug in my ear. And then I started to put that bug in Nori's ear, and, and he, didn't, he wasn't seeing it. And it took me a few years to finally convince him um to do it and, and then you know it, it probably took like between three to five years i don't know it, it, it's all like wow. memory and to go back a little bit the name drink champs was some it was something that we would say in my studio my crew and nori there and everybody is like we, we were big drinkers at the time 
And if you couldn't handle your liquor, you're not a drink champ. That's what we would say. And I thought that was a dope term. So I was like, man, let me see if someone has a dot com or the, the social handles. And I just started grabbing up drink champ and drink champs. I just thought it sounded dope. I didn't know what it was going to be. It could be a gear, you know, like a gear company. It could be a bar someday. I don't know. I just grabbed it up. So fast forward, as we're getting, as I'm starting to get more serious about trying to do a podcast, I say to myself, I think calling it Drink Champs would be dope. And I have my homie Scam, who was already a legendary artist and MC, who did the stuff for Eminem's, the, the Slim Shady LP. He did the Beats Rhyme and Life artwork for Tribe Called Quest. He's a Miami native as well. He's from mm-hmm. Carroll City. So I had him do the logo for me. He created the logo. And then when finally Nori was ready, and I'm trying to, I'm condensing a lot of no, things. No, no, no. There's a lot that happened in between. But finally, when Nori was ready, I said, he was, he's like, all right, I'm cool. I was like, all right, uh, let's call it Drink Champs. He wasn't sure. He's like, uh, I go, look, I got the logo. I got everything ready to go. I got the fucking IG. I got everything. It's ready. Like, let's just call it Drink Champs. He was like, all right, fuck it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's call it Drink Champs. Let's go. Uh, that's, that's the beginning. And it's, and it's freaking perfect, man. When it comes, I see, I see the layout, and, 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 and like I sit down there, and it's like everybody's in my living room. That's how, that's the feel, that's the vibe you guys give out, and I and I fucking love it because it's like it's like when we sit down just to shoot the shit, and we just boom, right. boom, boom. Yeah. So it's awesome. Um, so real quick, uh, it's crazy that he doesn't, he didn't see that, he didn't really like grasp the vision of podcasting when. Um, he actually saw that reggaeton thing because yeah. I'll be honest with you. To my, to my, my opinion, I'm a hip hop head too, and 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 I love old reggaeton. This this right. trap, this new trap reggaeton. I know, you know, you know, Bad Bunny is Bad Bunny and stuff right, like that. Right. But but I think that Nori was that bridge after Nori did absolutely was the bridge. Yeah, yeah absolutely. like at least for like at least for the port. You know, you know reggaeton. You know. It, it, like that bridge was Nori, and I'm like, so I I would think that it, it based in Miami that and how the 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 the, the Spanish culture in, in Miami is 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 predominant. Huge, right? I thought, it, yeah, I thought it would have it would have been like like you merging, you know, the hip hop. But I could see your I could see your point where there's certain things you don't you don't people like when we're set in our ways, we don't really want to me- and we still don't want to. I don't I don't want to mix my hip hop. Right, my, my my old school hip hop with the reggaeton, each has his own identity. So I, I understand what you're saying. But regarding the podcast, I was surprised that he he might have given you a little bit of hesitation when he actually he saw the reggaeton vibe back right. then. You know, yeah. I mean, to his defense, even though it, between us it was a delay, it was perfect for the for the world for him when he got on it because it was still ahead of, you know, like like anybody that just knows Nori. They're like, yo, you were ahead of your time with the podcast, too. You know, so yeah. between us, he was, you know, behind. But but for everybody else, he was ahead of his time with podcasting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, No, but Eid, how does it feel being a pioneer? Because to be honest with you, I see a thousand podcasts now. They all have that format. And we even do it to some extent where we have the bottles out and we're just right. drinking and having a good time. But you guys, you guys are the pioneers, man, of that. And that's that must feel kind of special in the sense that you guys were ahead. And when did your podcast officially drop? What year was so, it? So this month is makes it six years. Exact. Wow. It feels oh, wow. longer. It feels longer, to be honest with you. Man, to me, six years. <laughs> <laughs> when we started it, it was it wasn't supposed to be a big thing. We were like, let's just do it. My goal was since we didn't make any money off the Sirius XM show, uh-huh. my my only goal was let's at least make 
a little something something yeah yeah that was my goal just a little something something you know it was gonna be a side thing that i go look we me and you we get together we talk some shit and we make a couple thousand dollars a month we're good good. and 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 what the funny part is that for six months when it blew up because it blew up from day one for six months we didn't make a dime a dime because it blew up so quickly we were on cbs radio um who was distributing the podcast they did the the advertising people there which were regular like radio advertising people they didn't know how to sell drink champs to the advertisers you know we're talking crazy we're drinking you know it's a liability and and we grew so fast that the numbers they had to put a, a like a price to it that was high but we're brand new so like nobody wanted to buy into this brand new thing at such a high rate so they were like, yo, we can't. And we were like, yo. So we kept investing our own money. We were traveling to get some of the interviews. And we, we just believed in it. And for six months, we didn't make a penny, man. Wow, that's great. At, at any point that you guys doubt whether or not this was going to continue? Like, were you thinking about bailing at any point? Man, I mean, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I can speak for Nori. We just, we love, it, it kind of gets starts to get corny when you keep saying the culture, the culture. But we love the culture so much. You know, we love the music so much that for us to be doing something that people were appreciating, that was getting this feedback, that was that was payment. You know, that was payment, the feedback and 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 the positivity and having some of these artists that maybe some of them hadn't been out in the public eye for a while or people stopped appreciating these artists and we can reintroduce them. And now you could say, man, that's right. Let me dig in the crates and listen to this person's music again. Nah, yeah, that person is dope. That to us was enough, man. That that was enough. So we didn't doubt it. We didn't doubt. We we just didn't think it was going to be that this big, as big as it got. And so fast. So like it took over our lives. Like I had all kinds of shit going on. He had other things going on. We had to literally drop everything we were doing and focus on and focus on this because it was huge. (laughs) It was so big, and it was and it was changing a lot of things. Uh, Has anything changed moving over to Revolt? Is it still the same or is it more hours now? Like, you know, what, what's the difference? Well, in the beginning, you know, the thing that, that, that attracted me to podcasting is that we could do whatever we want whenever we wanted. There was no set thing. You could do half an hour episode. You could do a two hour episode. You could do a five hour episode. You could do it once a week, twice a week, three times. Whenever the fuck you want, you could do it. The only change that comes with corporate partners is that, they want something, you know, it becomes now a cadence. Gotcha. And just to be 100% honest, anything that you contractually end up having to do and anything that becomes that kind of a job, it becomes a job like any other job. At some point, it's like, you know, you can get jaded by it. It's like, ah, you know, but but the thing is, at the end of the day, you know, it's fun. We enjoy doing it. But, you know, of course, sometimes, you know, that cadence and that structure, when I feel like we all come from this, like, independent, way of being you know like like get the fuck off freedom. Of me. Like, no, no, freedom. Yeah, freedom, freedom the freedom the freedom you know yeah. the lack of freedom sometimes you know it can be annoying but, but you know i have to be grateful and appreciative of what we have and, and our partners and, and how it's providing for us and our families like i appreciate all that yeah no i, I feel you it's like having a comedian on all right be funny motherfucker He's right, like, Yo, right. dude like <laughs> you know it has to be natural i gotta kind of flow into it bro. right right <laughs> Um, you know, I, I got to be respectful of your time, so I'm going to hit you with a couple of quick hitters. Go, go for uh, it. Funniest story you heard uh, to date on Drink Champs from a guest? 
Damn, man, there's so many things. Remember, we drink, brother, so I forget exactly. everything that happens. <laughs> yo, people be texting me like, yo, E, and I'll be like, I don't know what the fuck this person's talking no. about. Like, they're watching the episode and shit. And uh, I, don't, I don't mean to jump in. I, I want you to answer the question, but yeah. um, by the way, Nori, you can you could tell Nori, Nori. Yeah, the like, slur speech is with, funny. With, with, with E, with E, he, he's holding he, that thing up. Is he this, got the poker face. Got, Yo, he, people think drinking? I don't drink. Someone told me I, yesterday. I, I was so, about to tell you that. Is he drinking water? Because I is he Yo, drinking water or some juice or something? Because he's staying right there. Meanwhile, Nori, you see Nori going like, and you see his eyes, man. And you know he's lit. Yeah. And meanwhile, he is like, you know, like yeah. that's the whole shit. He's, he's drinking like, that champagne. That yeah. champagne is gonna get you slurred up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That what happens to me is that I, I'm definitely drinking, I'm going in. But that shit, I have a delayed, like it hits me a little bit later. Like, like when I get home, my girl's like, oh my God, like, what the fuck is going on? You know, like, like I'm like, yo, this is my job. Yo, yo, isn't that beautiful though, man? Yo, it's my job. You can't get mad at me. (laughs) I'm going to tell you. I'm I'm definitely drinking though. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to tell you a quick, it might not be in his, because he's like I said, like you said, it's people drinking. But I don't know. I think he had Gilly, you guys had Gilly the King on, uh, Gilly the Kid on. Right. And and they started talking back and forth, and 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 he and it was something about we're gonna jump, we're gonna jump Nori or something like that. And he said, No, we we can get it pop. <laughs> was it was it Gilly the kid? Oh, he probably no, was it was it uh wasn't it Wale that said that? Yeah, it well, might have yeah, been Wale. Right. That was one oh, of the it was Wale, you're right, you're right, you're right. It was so Wale. You, you, you wasn't drunk, you wasn't drunk, you remember. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I mean, uh, when I'm drinking, I'm on point because I'm, you know, we're from this. I'm a yeah, DJ a tra- that DJ in the yeah. club, so so I had to be on point. So you kind of get used to being able to drink and handle yourself. Yeah, and you know what? Like- when, when you if you go back back and watch the PD Crack and Oskino episode, huh. you'll see what happens when I do feel drunk. I exit stage left. Like I literally left the fuck. <laughs> I, I went to the go to the bathroom and I never came back. I went to sleep in the next room. I said fuck that because I have like Damn. this like. I have like this, like uh, me and my boys call it cat manning. Like when you feel like you 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 about to make a fool of yourself, you just boom, you out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like you get the fuck out. And that's <laughs> what I did smart. in that episode. Very smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, wait, wait, where do you see the podcast going next? Are there uh, any ours? Any- our podcast yeah. or the industry? Well, yeah, twofold. Your podcast and the industry. Do you think it's like oversaturated? Because you got like a million people doing podcasts. I mean, now. look, it is oversaturated. Um like everything else, music, everything. Uh, but I don't want to discourage anybody from doing it if they feel like they want to do it. I think that's the luxury. I've all, like the same way that it was advocated to me to podcast, I try to advocate it to everybody else. You know, don't do it. Don't try to do it because you think you're going to become a millionaire because that oversaturation has brought, you know, that, that percentage of people who are going to make money is really low now. But if it's something for you to have an outlet to speak and and speak your mind and, 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 and enjoy something, do it. Do it because you enjoy it. So I advocate everybody, you know, if you want a podcast, do it. The, the, the technology and the tools are there and they're free and inexpensive to get started. So just go ahead and do it. Um, in terms of the industry itself, it's crazy because podcasting is really an old thing. You know, if you think of if you really think of it, it's Internet radio, basically. Absolutely. You know, so it goes back. And podcasting itself as podcasting has been a while ever since it was introduced in the, the app on, on the iPhone, which was early, early on. Um, but it seems like, you know, the pandemic has kind of like it brought in and this is where it got really oversaturated. And it brought in all these celebrities because they weren't acting, they weren't doing this and weren't doing that. 
So they started doing podcasting and, and basically digital content like YouTube stuff. Um, and, it, and, it, and it grew and it's dope. And I think the industry has room to grow. What I just think that people need to start getting more creative in the lanes that they pick when they podcast. Um, try to think outside the box. Think of what people aren't doing. That's if you want to make a career of it. If you're doing it for fun, then just do it for fun. You know, and then you never know. It might just get paid because it just hits. But if you want, if you're trying to do it as a career, like you're like, no, 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 I'm going to make this a career move. Look at the landscape of podcasting and pick a, a lane that you think isn't, isn't explored out there and do it because it, it's growing so much that the way to, to monetize podcasting is changing and growing in a positive way. The platforms that are that there's more platforms now that help you distribute your podcast, kind of like music, like if you had TuneCore or SoundCloud or whatever podcasting it's, it's growing in that way and there's going to be more tools that are going to be introduced and a lot of podcasts are going to turn into shows like i.e us being on revolt mm -hmm. and and i think that's another place that people are going to start getting get picked from to to do more content and bigger things that's a motherfucking gem i appreciate yeah. that one brother yo e that's man i i could i could speak to you for hours i know you're you're against the clock here Real quick, you recently had an interview with Kanye. Phenomenal job. I never seen him Thank so unguarded before. Any funny moments that you could share about your interview or your it was like a whole week you spent with Kanye. I know there had to be some funny moments, things he said or. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nori def spent the week with him. I, I just I spent that day with him. <laughs> Exit um, up, right? <laughs> but it felt like a week in that in that one day. Yeah. Uh, Kanye was fucking dope, man. Like, you know, I, I think it's ill how since drink champs he's been like on this crazy run like yeah. it's like i don't know if he someone hit me today someone i've known for years someone that went to school with me and she was like yo like did you guys plan this like plan all this stuff to happen with you know with drink champs the episode with kanye and then the documentary and all this stuff and i'm like i didn't plan it but maybe kanye planned it because the yeah. dude is fucking smart they do you know smart, yeah because it, it almost seemed like we were the beginning of this run and and and, you know, what I really love that we were able to showcase him in a way that people hadn't looked at him in a while. They, they, you know, like we kind of like brought him back to hip hop, sort of say. Yes, where, yes, yes. And I just think all he needed and which we, we provided was a platform uh, with no time constraints where he could just be himself and, and get all these thoughts out and allow people to judge him for fully for what he's saying and not for clips. And, and I think that. I think that's what happened. I'm sorry. You, you got to give yourself more credit than that. Because he's been on other, like, I guess, platforms where there's the time constraints. You guys made him feel super comfortable. I see. Oh, yeah. I, I want to say I've seen maybe like 100 Kanye interviews. He's never been so unguarded like that. He, he's usually, you know, speech frigid. And then he, you know, he won't allow you to get your points in. But you guys had him, like he was super comfortable. And I think it just paired well with the release of the Netflix and the run yeah. he's been on. And Kanye is feeling that love again. And they just, all you got to do is just drop good music and forget about it. The rest will be, you know, history. And some, of, and some of the questions that, that E and, and Nori asked him, he, he definitely had, had, had not even answered in, in, exactly. in, in, in any other late night show or radio right. show. And he, you, you guys, whatever you guys, whatever you guys, <laughs> maybe you Bill Cosby, who knows? I don't, I don't know. Coño. Coño. <laughs> 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 he was he was loose, man, and, and got, it was it was it was it was a good. I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed because he, he was like it's like Lou said, you don't you don't see him, you don't see him right. like you just said. You brought him back to that to that college dropout, right? Kanye. Right. 
Well, I mean, remember, to me, the premise or what we're trying to do at Drink Champs was give the audience, the public, the same environment that we have in the studio or backstage. And in the studio and backstage, you're having drinks, you're talking shit, you're talking shop. It's it's unfiltered. And you're just you're just talking, you know, talking a bunch of shit, barbershop shit. Same thing. And so I feel like, you know, if you get it, I'm not going to say every single guest is as comfortable, but most guests, if they come in understanding what it is already and they want to be there, because that's the difference. We never wanted people on promo runs. And not, not to say that we've never had anybody. We've had people on promo runs because the promo run is a forced. It feels like some of these guests are forced by their publicists, their record labels or whatever to promote something and they don't really want to be there they don't really like promotions they don't really like interviews those that's the wrong you know that, that's the wrong vibe we want someone who just wants to be on drink champs and they they know what it is and once you could tell who gets it you know what i'm saying and 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 then when they get it they get into it and you get into our antics you know some people get offended like oh you don't let me talk or you cut me off that's what happens when you talk with your peoples that's what happens backstage that's what happens at the barbershop that's what happens you know, in the studio, this is not an interview. And people get mad at us all the time. Like, guys, we are. I know Nori says he's a journalist now. We're not journalists. We are not journalists. He's an MC. I'm a DJ. And, and we're, we're doing the same. Yeah, we're doing the same <laughs> shit we were doing in my studio. And we was drinking when I when we would call each other. You're not a drink champ. We were saying not a drink <laughs> Same exact shit. And we got the same crew in the room with us. And they can interject whenever the fuck they want. And we're going to clown them and we're going to clown each other and we're going to get into arguments on camera over dumb shit. Yes. That's what happens. And that's and if you get that and understand that, then it's a beautiful experience and it's a beautiful piece of content that we're creating. Hey, man, thank you for the time. It's been a true delight. I wish you continued success. And thank um, you. before I let you go, can, can you just do a quick drop for us? You know, introduce yourself and say that you're listening to Chris and Lou on the Breeze Shooters podcast. Sure. Thank you so much. Ready? Three two one what up is dj efn one half of the drink champs and you're listening to chris and lou on the breeze shooters podcast let's go my man one more can you just diss me be like lou make sure you record it this time <laughs> anything alone is- <laughs> hey, 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 if you want to curse me out whatever you want to do go. just diss me go diss me. go go hard go hard off. you ready you ready which one are you lou or chris i'm lou Hello. that's chris <laughs> all right all right, all right. three two <laughs> one go Hey, yo, Chris, is Lou recording this time or is he just doing a private FaceTime with me? Because I can't, I don't got time for this shit, man. I got to go I, do I, drink chance. This dude wants to record me and just show it to his kids or something. I don't know what's going on here. It's, it's, it's scary. It's, it could be one of those uh, uh, Tinder swindler type things. <laughs> oh, you the Tinder swindler? I'm out of here, bro. I don't, I don't know if he's recording or not. I'm out of here. I don't got time for this shit. Yo, yo, e. Oh, e. <laughs> Yo, that was dope, man. That was dope. Of course, I got to go because my job is calling me, man. They're calling man, me like yeah, crazy. My, <laughs> yeah, the promise coming too. All right. Make sure, Lou, make sure you fucking. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it, Pablo. Let me, let me. If call. you got to get suspended for three days, then get suspended. Don't worry. I, I'll try to manage your court. Well, no, that, that's a lot of, that's I, a lot I of bills. That. Bye. <laughs>